1: Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace.
0: Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm your host, Wanda Wallace. With me today is Kevin Gass. Now, Kevin's had an incredibly long history. Well, not long in time, long in complexity, managing a variety of brands and companies, both in the U.S. and in Central Europe, starting his career with Procter & Gamble and then moving on to Colgate-Palmolive. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much.
2: It's great to be here.
0: So you've had a series of assignments, uh, from integrating acquisitions to leading a startup of an entirely new subsidiary for Colgate Palmolive in the Baltics. What was the most interesting of all of those roles?
2: Well, you know, of course, in their own way, they were all fascinating because they were all new to me at the time. But the one that kind of just wins hands down for me is when I was starting the subsidiary for. Colgate in the Baltics mostly because it was my first opportunity to actually lead a company on my own and put into practice all the things that I believed would work.
0: I can't resist to ask what were there things that didn't work along the way? <laughs>
2: Yes, there, there, there usually are some. <laughs> um, there, there are always some that don't work, and the question is, can you identify them early enough and not pursue them further? For example, we had one uh, one initiative that I had wanted to pursue that had a lot to do with, with like social involvement. I, that's what I wanted the company that one of our uh, objectives I wanted it to be, and that one took a little while to take hold. <laughs>
0: I can imagine. I can imagine the cultural changes. And that wasn't your first stint in the Baltics, so you at least knew the culture that you were walking into, presumably. Um, So let's try to talk about um, when you're taking over the subsidiary or starting the subsidiary in the Baltics or any of the new companies that you've started as well, what does it mean to you to be strategic from your point of view? Well,
2: it it largely means... The, the same thing to me wherever you are and whatever you're doing um, to be strategic. The, the key difference in going overseas or living in different markets is really just kind of understanding what's a cultural difference and versus what's just bad strategy, bad practice, and what you should accept and what you should just not accept.
0: All right, so uh, tell us what you should accept. You have a view about having three components, so uh, tell us about that one. I'm going to come back and ask you what's bad practice later, but let's start with the good stuff.
2: <laughs> sure. Well, basically, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're running a, in my opinion, if you're running a nonprofit, if you are running the biggest company in the world, if you're doing mobile gaming or you're making cement blocks and your CMEX. Fundamentally, it comes down to three things, objectives, strategies, tactics, Objectives fundamentally are what are your real goals, not what you want them to be, but what are your real goals? What are you actually prepared to deliver on? What do you want to do? Strategies. How, what's my plan to achieve them? What's my game plan? What's my direction and tactics? That's what physically am I going to do? What are the plays? What are the turns I'm going to make? If you actually use words to describe it, it would just be, specifically, I will do X. And that's the strategy. That's the tactic. Excuse me.
0: So tactics then have to be in an action statement. They have to have verbs and um, things you're going to do in it.
2: Well, I think, honestly, they all do. They're all action statements in some way, and they're all measurable. They're quantifiable, and they have times associated with it. So, for example, you would, you know, your objective would be I will deliver X sales, Y profits by this day, and it usually has to do with the fiscal year or a longer-term plan of five years. Uh, but even but tactics more specifically, tactics are something that I would say a leader has to let go of. You might approve the tactics, but the tactics aren't generally what the leader does. If you're being, you know, if you're in charge of strategy, or objectives. Someone else is handling the tactics.
0: Ah, so then the leader's job is to set the objectives, the strategy, and then let the rest, the rest of the organization, turn to the tactics.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that, of course, depends. If you're an organization of one, then you're responsible for all three. <laughs> if you're running a corner store, you still need objective, strategy, and tactics. But principally, in most organizations, there are. Other people need to handle the tactics.
0: Okay, so this sounds rather straightforward, the notion of objectives, strategies, and tactics. But when I go in to coach people inside an organization or to run a development program, I routinely hear frustration with the strategy, quote-unquote, as defined by the company, which will have a goal, let's say a position in a marketplace or a revenue. Um, It has a strategy in terms of a general direction that it's going to go in, um, but I find people get quite confused between objectives and strategies and tactics. So give me an example, of, a real example you've done for any of your companies of what an stra- uh, objective, strategy, and tactic look like.
2: Sure. I'll, I'll start. Let's go a little bit far back, and then we can come forward if you like. But basically, it, as an example, let's just because we were talking about the Baltics before, we'll, we'll use that. Let's just say, well, it doesn't even matter. It could be any company, but... The objective for if I'm running the company, if I'm the general manager or the president of the company, an objective might sound like I would. we need to hit in this calendar year, in this fiscal year, $50 million in sales with X profit. But we might have additional objectives that are we might want to be number one in these five particular product categories by the year end, and we also want to be ranked as a top five Player in the community, uh, among large companies, those could be our objectives, and then within those, that so those would be the objectives. They're all quantifiable. They all have, uh, they're all they all have timeframes, and then then below that, then you would have strategies. And the key to this, what comes next, is all the key components of the company whether it's the marketing department, the sales department, the customer service department, human resources, finance, it doesn't matter. They have all responsibilities in delivering the strategies. If they don't, then I don't even know why they're in the company. Okay.
0: All right. So, 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 so let's say I'm sitting in legal. What's my obligation to deliver on your objective that you just outlined as a general manager?
2: Absolutely. Well, the in, Interesting because I was listening to the, uh, your program uh, a little while ago, and one of the conversations that came up was a talk about the finance department and the legal department, in certain cases, not delivering on the strategy of the, of the overall company, and because they were holding up something that sales or marketing wanted to do. And the, if you're legal, your responsibility is to deliver the strategy that delivers the objective, right? So it might be to make sure that you are not, that you have all the patent protection, you have all the trademarks that you need, you facilitate the contracts that are necessary. And here's the key to all of this. In most companies, and I think this is a lot of times what people run into, and I see it all the time, the risks and rewards are not set up right for support functions. And by that, I mean... Fundamentally, in most legal departments, they are not set up to be rewarded for finding good risks to take. That's not how legal departments are typically set up, but good ones are. But typically, that's not how it is. So, in the end, legal departments are rewarded by not having a lawsuit against them. And that's not what you want your legal department only thinking about. You also want them finding ways to help you do what drives the business forward, while
0: also being safe. So, Kevin, you're in effect saying that we have the company objective, but then we take each division and each function within that that defines their own objectives that should be then aligned with a larger objective. So, for example, to hit a $50 million sales target with profit in, a, in the calendar year, and then legal has to be tasked with an objective of finding good risk to take.
2: Absolutely. Well, basically what happens, and that's, it's a great way you just phrased it, because it fundamentally is an entire pyramid. And what the objectives are for the company, and then the company has strategies that, if they are completed, should deliver the objectives. Now, those strategies, which are then... There are more strategies. Every objective has the strategies that will hopefully deliver it. Those strategies for every department become the objectives for that department. It's quite elegant in its simplicity. So in this particular example, if you said, let's say, for example, being number one in all key categories by the year end, if we use that previous example, well, now it's responsible for for the customer service department to say, how can we help make us be number one? In all key categories now, every single objective doesn't have to be fulfilled by have be uh, fulfilled by every individual department. So, but in this particular case, let's say customer service would say, "Well, we have been out of stock. We know we've been out of stock in the last year. Our, our on-time and complete metric is 95 percent. And if we were just to be complete in delivering, our sales would go up significant. Uh, in this case," It would go from, let's say, from 95 to 98%. We could contribute 3% growth if we were just able to forecast correctly and deliver on time. That's our goal. And that's how they can contribute. That's their objective. Now how they do it becomes their strategy. They have to forecast correctly. They have to have the manufacturing department participate in that, but that's why it becomes a team effort.
0: Okay, so we have an objective at the general management level, let's say for a country or for a division. Um, those objectives and strategies, how we're going to go about achieving those objectives, become the objectives for each of the different divisions or subsidi- or units below that, and we cascade down accordingly. So right, now, tactics- how, how do tactics differ from strategies? Well,
2: the tactics are, the tactics of the, of the overall company actually become the strategies one level down. Everything just slides down one level at every level that there is. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't even matter per se that you actually have to have physical people representing these levels. It's a matter of how you are thinking. And if you're a corner store or you're a startup Internet site, you still have overall objectives Strategies and tactics, and then those strategies need to be delivered, so you have to find ways to deliver them so if your example in this particular case is let's just use uh, body care uh, on on the, in this example becoming number one in body care if that's the uh, if that is now the objective for the vice president of marketing or the director of personal care, then they're Strategies might be to launch three new products and grow shares on existing ones. Their tactics are which products you would launch and how they're going to grow share.
0: Okay, so we have an overall. I'm getting now how, you, how you're how you getting the sense of this. And I think that explains why so many people get confused between objectives and strategies. Because what's an objective and what's a strategy just depends upon where you sit within the organization. So, much, go ahead. And-
2: I think, and when there is conflict, I would argue that it is entirely the responsibility of the person whose objective it is to resolve that conflict. It shouldn't even be a conflict in the first place, but if it is a conflict, it's the person who set the objectives, whose objective it is, to make sure that whatever's happening beneath them isn't a conflict. So in the case of the finance department or the legal department, not delivering, not having objectives, not having their goals or their performance or their uh, their actions match up with what the company needs, then, or what the marketing department wants or the sales department wants, it was and is the responsibility of whoever is in charge of those departments, plural, to have either set better objectives or manage the objectives or get better buy-in.
0: Okay. All right. So I get this lovely notion of sort of this cascading process so that at the top of the organization, we set an objective. We say we're going to meet that objective by focusing in these particular areas. The next level down says, great. If we're focusing those areas, that becomes my objective. The way I'm going to achieve body care, for example, is being number one in the marketplace is I'm going to do the following products on the following launch. And so we keep cascading down so that regardless where you sit within the organization, you should be able to define your objectives and strategies based on the step above you. And then I, I presume, feel- Kevin, from your point of view, it's beholden on the individual to set the objectives and strategies, not necessarily from on high, to say, he, hey, here, or yours. That's correct. Okay. And
2: it's, it's the responsibility of that, of the, it's, it's, the concept is basically top down that you start with what the entire company or what you, you know, it works with your children as well if you, if, if you want your children to behave a certain way you have objective strategies and tactics but it is also incumbent on the the employees or the people who are somewhere other than the top of the pyramid to manage up and make sure that they agree that these that the objectives that have been set for them are achievable otherwise you're setting unrealistic objectives.
0: I think you get a lot of people agreeing with you on that statement about the unrealistic objectives. So, regardless where I sit in the organization, from the smallest organization to the largest organization, and from the very bottom of the pyramid all the way to the top of the pyramid, I should know how my objectives roll up to achieve the strategies and objectives of the people ahead of me. And if I can't articulate that, then my job is to go and figure out how to get it articulated. It's interesting. I was listening this week to a group of people describe the company strategy and they were just completely lost in the ways of describing, no words to describe the strategy. I mean, of course, there's a, we want to be number one in the marketplace, of course, but that doesn't give you enough to actually know how to act on it. Um, and what was missing for these individuals is exactly the kind of cascade that you're describing.
2: Yeah. Like Kevin, mean, and, yeah.
0: One last quick question. It may not be quick before we take a break. <laughs> Why don't companies do this? It sounds so simple. What gets in the way?
2: Well, the thing is, it's incredibly simple to formulate but at the same time, it's incredibly difficult to actually take a cold, hard look and really, really set good objectives and strategies. First of all, you have to be incredibly frank and honest about what's the difference between a stretch goal that can be achieved or, a, or something that is just pie in the sky versus what are you, what's sandbagging and what is really just taking it easy and being lazy. That's one reason that companies don't set good strategies. The other is insight. Competitive intelligence, insight, strategic knowledge, well, the analysis of what your competitors are going to do, game theory, are absolutely essential to setting good strategies. And if you don't have them, your strategies are, as we would We've talked about it in a couple of political campaigns that have worked on. Hope is not a strategy. <laughs> so you have to know why this is going to be successful or believe what you're going to do. You have the resources. You have the tech. And the other one is people just get caught up in, in their own gobbledygook. And the number of times I've been asked to look at someone's objectives, their strategies, their tactics, and I, you know, <laughs> I pulled one up yesterday just out of curiosity. And I'll just read you this particular objective I I found. We aim to increase our revenue and profitability by expanding our high-growth businesses that leverage our global community and market infrastructure. And then it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it's just gobbledygook. And you know who that is? That's Manchester United, one of the most successful sports franchises in the world. And yet their stated objective is barely
0: intelligible. And they go on to list their strategies as well. I love that. What a phrase, getting caught up in your own gobbledygook. Okay, Kevin, we're going to take a break. I want to come back, when we come back and talk about what makes for a good strategy and not a good strategy, and I want to pick up on this notion of hope is not a strategy. Um, Getting caught up in gobbledygook doesn't make for good strategy, and competitive intelligence is key to it. My guest today is Kevin Goss, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes.
1: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. always talking business talk to an expert call now toll-free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network you are listening to out of the comfort zone to reach dr wanda wallace or her guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone.
0: Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace, your host. With me today is Kevin Goss. We've been, Kevin has had a variety of experiences for managing brands and companies, both in the U.S. and in Central Europe. And we have been talking about Kevin's view of how strategies get formulated and what it means to be strategic inside a company. This framework applies, I don't care how small you are or how large you are as a company, it applies equally at the top of the house and all the way at the very bottom of the house. And Kevin's notion is that there's three components. One is the objective, the goal, measurable with a time frame. Two is the strategy. What's the game plan in effect? What are we going to do in order to achieve that goal? And then three, what are the tactics? What are the actions? What are the plays? What are the moves that are going to help us achieve that strategy? And then... One person's strategy rolls to the next person's objective and so on we cascade through the organization. Now just before we're taking a break, Kevin said a couple of things that I thought were fascinating. The first one, Kevin, you said is hope is not a strategy. Can you just say one more sentence about that? Why isn't hope a strategy? Well,
2: (laughs) hope is what because it, well, I want to do a tautology. I want to say hope is not a strategy because it's not a strategy. But, I mean, hope is basically what you've done is you've decided not to quantify your odds, is what you've done with hope. Everything is theoretically quantifiable. You just don't necessarily always have the resources or the time to quantify it. So if you're hoping for something to come true, then probably the odds are greater than zero like the lottery is not a good, it would be not the best strategy for your personal financial planning, but you're hoping that you'd win. So somewhere between one in 50 million and, and actual certainty is that, whereas what you're looking for in an objective strategy and tactic or, is, or in proper strategic thinking is what is my best course of action to deliver on my objectives, and hope is not that.
0: Okay. I like that. Hope is just not quantifying your odds. Okay, now you were talking about that. what makes for really good strategy, and you've given us this fabulous example from Manchester United that I confess was unintelligible. You want to read it again just to make sure we can decipher this?
2: Sure. Uh, let's see. Okay. It was, it is... Uh we aim to increase our revenue and profitability by expanding our high growth businesses that leverage our global community and marketing infrastructure. And then they go on to the key elements of their strategy. And what is astonishing, and this comes off their you know, their financial website. It's the, what they're disclosing for their investors. What is astonishing to me, besides the gobbledygook, <laughs> is is nowhere in this and I'm assuming this is What their actual mission is, because it's what they're showing to their investors. Nowhere in this does it say we are going to deliver a leadership football team, and you would assume that would be a strategy to deliver on the gobbledygook of making a lot of money, which is fine. The owner, it's a business, but nowhere do I see be the best football team until you get to their corporate responsibility statement, where they say they want to be the best football team on and off the pitch. But that's your corporate mission, but not your objective. So there you go with, are you going to deliver on it if it really isn't your mission? If it it isn't in your objectives and strategies, what was that corporate mission mission statement about?
0: Okay. All right. The other thing I find um, fascinating about Manchester United and any number of other client strategies is you could almost swap off the brand name at the top and it wouldn't make one bit of difference. Yep.
2: And Which, that's exactly correct. There's nothing quantifiable. There's nothing understandable about this at all.
0: Okay. All right. So let's go to this question of what makes for a really good strategy. And you have said one is it's quantifiable. Um, it's not hope. What else makes for a great strategy?
2: Well, a couple of things, right? I mean, the first thing and the most important thing about what makes a good strategy is taking it face value if you actually did these things, would you, do you believe that you would, independent of everything else, deliver the objectives? If your strategies are set properly, then to the best of your knowledge, and this, every, there's a little bit of risk and there's uncertainty in everything, but the way, a properly set strategy, if you, strategies, plural, if you do these strategies, if you complete them, if you fulfill them and meet those targets, you will meet your objectives. And that, in a nutshell, in one sentence, says what a good strategy is.
0: Okay. I like that notion that at the face value, if you did those things independently of everything else, meaning discounting everything that happens by accident, would you indeed deliver your objectives?
2: Exactly. And it doesn't even mean that, it, that the, the objectives have to be intelligible to anyone else. And by intelligible, I have, there's... I remember when I first uh, when I first got to do Prague, and I walked into a corner store, and what I saw actually it was quite surprising, and it didn't make any sense until I actually thought about what their objectives were.
0: Okay, so give us the example.
2: And by all means, uh, so and this was all happening. I was speaking in Czech, so I had to pause and ask a few different times to make sure I understood, but. I went into the store, this is my corner store, and remembering that this is just a few years after the end of socialism, and in socialism, there were quite a lot of uh, out-of-stocks, that there was a shortage of supply, there were shortages, so I walked in, and I asked them for a particular brand of yogurt, and they told me, no, we don't have that yogurt, because that yogurt sells too quickly, and... To me at the time, that seemed rather strange. And I asked a little bit more what helped me understand. I, I'm not following, I thought you said it sells too quickly. And the answer, you know, makes you take a step back and think, well, at that time, she had actually the perfect strategy for her objective. Just it wouldn't be an objective I ever thought of. Her objective was to have an excellent store that made money, that made her a pillar in the community. And to be an excellent store, you had to have products on the shelf because previously products were not on the shelf. So they had a limited refrigerator section, and if you had that international brand that I was looking for, it would sell out because they wouldn't get resupplied until the next day or two days later. But by having a brand that sold less well, she was actually fulfilling her objective of Bringing people into her stores, so they always had more or less what they wanted, and she had a great store and you know makes take a step back and say you don 't know <laughs> you don 't know what a good strategy is until you know what the objectives are
0: that 's right uh, i can 't see this, so and then presumably it 's not because she didn 't have it because she can 't supply it it 's that she could supply it she didn 't want to carry it because in carrying it, she would be out of stock. An interesting strategy, very, very interesting strategy. And, of course, Um, six
2: months later, later, that wouldn't be a viable strategy anymore when the international players started to come in and they had everything all the time. Then she would have to find a way to be an excellent store, would have to expand her refrigerator section. But at the time, it was the right strategy.
0: Okay. All right, so you bring up the notion that the strategy is constantly evolving, um, based on what's happening in the com- competitive marketplace. Now, twofold question to this one. Let's come back and ask how do we get good competitive intelligence. But also, what does that say about our corporate planning process where we do this on a yearly cycle? Is that the right thing to be doing or not?
2: Well, I think the important thing when you talk about doing things on cycles is that you're doing them at all. Because one of the things that I see from bigger companies to smaller companies is that smaller companies don't, they're so frenetic. They don't even take time to plan. They just run from one crisis to the next, even if they know what their objective is. They run from one plan to the next, whereas big companies may do quite the opposite. And they always have hardwired budget meetings because they have to do it, particularly the public ones. And at the same time, Their meetings are much, much more financially focused, and they're not always as strategic. So there's kind of a duality. So, my argument I'll give you an example from two different I'm on the boards for two different uh, startups right now, and both of them are in the online space. One of them is a business to business, and one of them is a business to consumer. The business to business startup picked a strategy, objectives, strategies out of the gate. They elected to target big, companies because that seemed like the more fruitful path. turned out wasn't. They changed it later on. Now they're going after mid-sized companies, smaller companies. The other company, B2C companies, spent so much time trying to figure out what their strategy was, they're not in business anymore <laughs> because they belabored the thought. So coming up with your best, at Procter & Gamble, we used to have a, a way of describing this called current best approach. And I really do like that. Because it says, this is the best we know now, and we're going to go with it. And we're going to stick with it until we have a better one, and we're not going to get off this horse until we know this is a dead horse.
0: Okay. All right, so current best approach. I like that phrasing. Um, The notion is that given what we know right now, let's go. And if it's wrong, we'll figure it out along the way and change. But we're not changing for the sake of changing. We're changing when we have evidence that we're in the wrong place.
2: Correct. And and the key to that is you have to know why are you 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 never you don't always know. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But why is it that your strategies are not succeeding? Is it because you've chosen wrong tactics? Is it because you have not allocated resources? Is it because you just have not executed the tactics particularly well? There are many factors that go into why your strategy may not be working. And if your if you're problem lies in your tactics, you best not be changing your strategy. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're Napoleon or if you're, you know, Fabius or whoever you are. It doesn't matter if you're the leader of the biggest company or the smallest corner store. You have to figure out why it is you're not that, why it is you're failing.
0: So, how do you know if it's the tactics are wrong or the strategy is wrong? How do you go about determining that?
2: Well, I mean, fundamentally, you—if your tactics are universe—I mean, if your tactics are succeeding, but your overall objectives, your overall strategies are not being delivered, then you know something's wrong. Either you've set your tactics wrong, or I'll give you an, an example of one that could have gone wrong but didn't. Right? We had when we were doing some. Uh, let's go back. I'll go back to the very, very beginning of my career when I was at P and G, and we were launching uh, a new kind of uh, fabric softener. And one of the ways that we knew would work would be to generate trial of the new the new kind of fabric softener. And one of the ways that really historically did that particularly well was sampling, but we took the extra step of finding out not just whether the sampling would be successful by giving X amount to a consumer. We determined exactly how much was necessary to actually convert that consumer. So did it need to be one load, two loads, three loads? And we wouldn't have ever known if we hadn't done our homework. We would have just thought, gee, I guess sampling didn't work on this brand if we had only given one sample of fabric softener It turned out three was what we needed and three loads converted them because they tried it out all their laundry everyone in their family had it poof you had succeeded so you wouldn't have known that your tactic would have thought wasn't working you would have thought it was your strategy if you hadn't done your homework and your research
0: So that takes—I mean—that takes some incredible insight to understand uh, all the questions you need to ask in order to be sure that the tactics you're using are correct.
2: Well, that, that's you know that's why children don't play the game, right? <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's a tough thing, and that it really does require a cold, hard assessment of what's going on. Is it you know it, for the management? Typically, you may if you're saying the strategies don't work. Frequently, you're looking at yourself. Right, And that may not be so easy to do. Or alternatively, if you are desperate for something to succeed, you might, in fact, at that point, it's the only thing that you can specifically change right away. It's like firing the coach or just changing the overall entire game plan. So you can, you can go in either direction Where you know, as opposed to tactics. If you're looking to blame someone else, well, sure, their tact, my, my strategy was fantastic. And everyone just executed it badly, never mind the fact that they were people who reported to you. And you were responsible for their performance either way. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's how the blame game starts happening and how bad decisions can get made.
0: Leaves some very interesting thoughts about um, politics and why we probably never articulate really brilliant strategies because it may not be in our best interest sometimes to articulate brilliant strategies. We'd find out how wrong we were. Um, so very, I love this phrase that if the management isn't succeeding, um, it's really at the strategic definition level, and therefore you have to be looking at yourself. So easier to blame the tactics. Um, How do you know if you're being, you know, what is your advice, Kevin, for uh, getting better intelligence? Are there any particular tactics you employ?
1: Oh,
2: well, intelligence spans so many uh, different categories, right? That, you know, that there are so many different tactics that somebody could and do employ, um, I mean, including, you know, but not limited to just basic market research, just talking whether it's, again, going back to whether it's looking at your analytics on your website or looking at your consumer feedback or looking at trends or doing research in the market with quantitative uh, conversations with physical consumers. So that's, that's method one. Number two is talking to people in the industry. Um, and learning and being collegial, being friendly, um, it's, it's also a great way to build resources because one of the ways to succeed with strategies is to form alliances. So talking to people in the industry has multiple, multiple benefits beyond just market intelligence. And then, you know, stopping and thinking. Game theory. What would I do if I was in their shoes? You can't really, I mean, there's so much that can be learned from just thinking about what you would do if you were in the other person's position, and it doesn't matter if you're in the military or you're in sports or you're, you know, running a cement company. It's there. You, you have competitors, and what you do depends on what they'll do. So, um, for example, you know, if we when we were in the, well, go back to uh, the Baltics again because we started there, but fundamentally. One of the things we knew from talking to people, talking to consumers, is that they were skeptical of all these claims that foreign companies were making, that there were all these international companies. I mean, it was absolutely a fascinating time because you went from having very, very few brands at all to having all the brands in the world, brands that most people in established markets haven't even heard of because they've already fallen out. So you went from zero to everything, and who do you trust? So we knew that trust was an issue. So in that particular case, what we did was we worked with people who were extremely well-regarded. So if you're talking about cleaning products, we would literally go and get, as our spokesperson, someone who believed in our products who tried our products and used our products. So we would get the head housekeeper at the best hotel in the country to be a spokesperson. Or we would get the most respected uh, female athlete in the country to represent one of our, like, for example, a body care brand like Lady Speedstick. So, research and how you do it doesn't have to be incredibly complex. I mean, shoot, Google Analytics is free. So, if you if you run a site and just take the time to learn it, you'll learn a lot.
0: Okay. All right. So we're going to take a break again, but I like this notion of being able to develop your intelligence in three very basic ways. One is the basic market research, some of which is free and some of which you're going to um, employ a bunch of folks to help you with it. Um, Two is the notion of building alliances in the industry as a whole. So that it's not just about hearing what other people are doing, but you have a way of exchanging information. And then the last one is really just to stop and think. And I love your phrasing, what would I do if I was in their shoes? All right, so we're going to take a break. With me today is Kevin Guess. We've been talking about what it means to be strategic. And Kevin's notion is that there are three components. You have an objective, which is quantifiable within a particular time frame, strategies, which are the things that you're going to do in order to achieve those objectives, and finally, tactics, the action that you take to let you achieve the strategies and all of those cascade throughout the organization so that everybody regardless of the size of the organization and regardless where they sit within the organization can know what they're doing to achieve the objective that's in front of them. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about, Kevin and I are going to talk about how do you build your own strategic thinking capability. We'll be right back. (music)
1: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone.
0: Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace, your host for the show. With me today is Kevin Gass, Kevin has had a lot of experience leading companies and leading brands, both in the U.S. and in Central Europe. Um, And he's been sharing with us a story about launching products in the Baltic states along the way. Now, Kevin, in this segment, I want to focus on how we encourage people to become more strategic as individuals. And let me start with a first notion. One of the things that I see lots and lots and lots of times is that people get so mired in the details. They're in the run, 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 run every day, a bit of a crisis in the fire. Um, They can't let go of the details and they can't seem to find, quote unquote, the time to look up and be strategic. How common is that in your experience?
2: Oh, well, it's extremely common. And it's not, it's, it's the combination of a lack of time to be, well, it's a lack, it's a lack of making time to be strategic because it's fairly clear to most people in hindsight when you look at it that being being strategic and actually committing to it and taking the time is more or less like being organized it might take you a little time at the moment but it saves you so much time down the road so it's incredibly common and for a variety of reasons most it, it can even take time to understand the strategy that someone else gave you a specific example is someone I had written a strategy uh, and it had gone throughout the company and went from our subsidiary back up to corporate and then back out to another subsidiary and I happened to be in the subsidiary the second time around, the second subsidiary, and my boss came to me and was telling me <laughs> that how I needed to execute this particular brand strategy with this particularly precise execution because it was the strategy not understanding that what he was talking about was the particular execution that we had done initially and i was pretty sure i knew what the strategy was since i wrote it <laughs> so it's really easy to get caught up in tactics
0: so if i'm managing people then what's my best uh, how am i supposed to go about helping them be more strategic get out of the details or like, what do i do
2: well, I mean, the first thing to remember, there are two things, that really. The first one, when you're is to not get bored with strategies that work. That I've got a, a good friend of mine who runs a radio station, and one of the things that makes his radio station so incredibly successful is he does not change his format. He's bored of his format. His format, he'd rather listen to something else, perhaps, but he doesn't change it because it wins. That's number one. Number two, besides not being bored, is really you just have to wonder that. Remember that everything that you think is new and exciting that puts you out of your comfort zone. For example, the number of times I have sat in a meeting where people talk about the incredible importance of X or Y or Z, whether it's Facebook likes or or getting into the newest kind of social media or getting into a certain kind of advertising. I mean, fundamentally, when you get done to it and you ask them, why do you want Facebook likes? What are you going to do with them when you get them? They don't actually know. They just know it's a metric that their people are looking at and that they want that metric. You know, native ads, they're fundamentally advertorials, but if you don't know what it is and you're scared of it, you want people to go do it because if you don't have it, you might not look good. So being comfortable, having, the, having good employees who understand the strategies and objectives And letting them go do it. And if you don't have good employees, well, then get new ones. But if you have good ones and you train them well and you're responsible, you take responsibility for their actions and their outcomes, let them go. Let them do what you hired them to do.
0: All right. So that is about really getting out of the details and letting people do the work themselves. And that's out of the comfort zone here we are again. Um, I can't resist asking you at this point. So you said I mean, you have good people and you train them well. How do you train people who work for you to think strategically?
2: Well, you know, it's not always intuitive, right? But if you explain it and show them this methodology and sit with them until they get it and they come back and say, here, here are my objectives and strategies. And you say, no, those aren't objectives and strategies. And here's why. And here's what we need, and here's what, you know, here's what an objective strategy tactic would look like. And good people pretty much come back. And the only question that, you know, pretty quickly with the appropriate, uh, filling in the appropriate boxes, the next question is, what insights have you used? Have you done the appropriate SWOT analysis? I mean, which is part of the intel, which is what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, what are my opportunities and threats, and am I best delivering you know, these, my objectives? with what I know about the market and my current position, and how do I change that to deliver the objectives?
0: All right. So I get a picture of how this goes in that you have a framework for what an objective, a strategy, and a tactic looks like. And I come back to your definition. It's a good strategy if, and tactic, if, Doing keeping everything else not going, we do these things, then we will really be successful. So ensuring that these actions are going to lead to success. And I can imagine you sitting with people, making them rework and rework and rework until they get something that looks like it's going to actually work. And then we have a heavy dose of um, intelligence, marketplace intelligence, competitive intelligence, consumer intelligence, that lets us know if the tactics are on track or not, so that we first begin by reevaluating the tactics, not necessarily changing the strategies. And I get your point. Don't just change a strategy because you're bored with it. If it's working, keep it in place. Now, one of the things you said earlier in the show was this notion of um, just stop and think as a way to gather intelligence. What would people do? How do you predict what people will do? Can you give me a quick example of how you've ever used that?
2: Oh, absolutely. There's one that I I quite uh, enjoy actually remembering. There was a we had a strategic objective to launch a premium shampoo uh, into our market because we thought it would. We knew it would increase the overall value of our total body care portfolio. But we were going up against Procter and Gamble, who is the who is incredibly. Uh, powerful in-shampoo, and we knew they would defend it very heavily. And as Colgate, we were a very big company with alliances that made us strong, but not nearly as strong as they were in this particular field. So what we did was we planned our entire launch to be at the end of their fiscal year when we know many big companies, even the best ones, sometimes have to pull back their budgets at the end of the year to allow for to make the year. Even if your subsidiary is doing well, you may have to cover somebody else's shortfall. So what we did was we planned a launch for a product that we really had in the real world but that we were never intending to launch, a bar soap. And we actually made a fake launch of the bar soap product into the market directly at their flank of their bar soap brand, causing them to lower their price to match our artificially low price, which for a launch that wasn't ever going to exist, and turn on their media and spend a load of money to defend against a product launch that was never going to exist. And they and we watched it fall country by country, one, two, three. And as we did, we saw their money go away. We saw their money go down the drain. I mean, not down the drain entirely because they were supporting their brands, but it left us wide open to launch our shampoo at the end of their fiscal year when we knew they would no longer have enough money to defend against it. And that ended up resulting in our having the most successful launch of a premium shampoo in the region for Colgate.
0: Fascinating, fascinating process. And I love this notion of understanding what people will do, predicting it and using that in your strategic thinking for wherever you sit within the company. Um, Interesting process, Kevin. Thank you for being a guest on the show I think what I take away from this one is this lovely notion of the three things that we need to focus on, the objectives, which is quantifiable, measurable, realistic in a particular time frame, followed by a series of plans to achieve those objectives. Those plans become the objectives for people below you and so forth. And As we move down, each level is identifying its tactics meaning it's specific actions. We will do this in this way on this time frame in order to achieve the strategies that are above us layer that with a good bit of intelligence, both from the classic kind of competitive intelligence and marketing intelligence, as well as sort of the on-the-ground kind of your ear to the ground of what your competitors are going to do and how they're going to do it, their predictability, as well as just stopping to think, what would you do if you were the competitor or you were the consumer? Anyway, Kevin, thank you for your insights today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, next week, we're going to continue with this uh, series on strategy, and we're going to have Henry Mintzberg as our guest on the show. And the focus is both on a redefinition of organization into a community of people. So Henry wants to talk about community-ship, not necessarily leadership, and then what that means for being strategic. So we hope you'll join us. (music)
1: Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week.